thank you all so much for leading us in worship today. Before we begin, I do have a quick announcement. There is a Ford pickup truck, a blue-green Ford pickup truck, across the street in the parking lot, and their lights are on. So if that's you, nobody's going to think bad if you get up and go out there to turn off those lights right now. So, You know, we are reading through our Bible together this year, and I hope you're joining me in that. And uh, as I was reading this past week, I noticed uh, two interesting accounts in Exodus 17 and 18 that are connected in a way I'd never thought about before. Uh, the first is the story of Moses. You might remember this story. The Israelites, they're, they're leaving Egypt. They're heading for the Promised Land. They come across the Amalekites who, who fight against them. And as long as Moses on the hill holds up his staff, the Israelites are winning. If he starts to drop it, the Amalekites start to win. It's kind of a strange little story, but the point is, is that uh, Moses can't stand up there for very long with his arms raised like that. I don't know if you ever tried just maybe painting or doing something up over your head. You can't do that forever. And so Aaron and her come up and they kind of, you know, support his arms and they help him to bear the heavy weight of that staff. The very next story, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to give him some advice. And don't you just love it when your father-in-law gives you advice, right, guys? And so he comes to give some, some wisdom and advice to Moses because he sees Moses every day sitting up here like a judge and all of Israel comes to him with their problems and disputes and he's having to settle all that. And Jethro says, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. It's too heavy a burden for you to bear alone. You need to delegate. And I thought, you know, that's interesting. In both of those stories, Moses can't bear the weight alone. Others have to come alongside to help him. That's the point of this series called Shape, is that no one of us, no one Sunday school class, no one group, none of us can do the work of the Lord alone. God has called us into community so that we can help one another carry the load of His kingdom purposes for us. God has shaped each of us to work together as a body to continue Jesus' ministry, to proclaim His message Really, the only way that we can fulfill the purpose of our church, of loving God, loving people, and together making disciples of all generations, from our neighbors to the nations, is if we come together and work as one. We've already discovered how God's Spirit imparts to us, through God's grace, spiritual gifts that equip us so that we can exalt God's glory, so we can edify God's people, so we can evangelize God's world. We've learned how God can take our heart, desires, and passions and He can redeem them and restore them and shape them so that our hearts are burdened for the things, the issues that burden God's heart. So that we have the same compassion for people that Jesus had. So that we find our motivation for serving in various ministries and roles. Well, today, so we've looked at S for spiritual gifts. we looked at H for heart. Today, we're going to look at the letter A. Abilities. And skills, and there's three primary points I want to make today. The first is that God entrusts us with abilities and skills. He entrusts us. Now, I know when it comes to this idea of talents and abilities and skills, a lot of people, a lot of us long ago, when we were children, we decided one of three things for ourselves. Some of us decided, I've got it all. You're the people that are just naturally good at everything. You're good looking, you're popular, you're smart, you're athletic. It's like you've got the Midas touch. No matter what you put your hand to do, you're good at it and you know it. And the rest of us think that's really special. 
You know who you are. Some of us say, no, that's not me. I lost out. You know, I mean, I'm not really good at anything. Uh, there, there's, you know, I, I just, I, life is not fair. It's not kind. I, I just, there's nothing special about me. You know, may, maybe for you, you drew art as a kid that even your mother wouldn't put on the refrigerator. You were that kid that was chosen last at, at recess to be on the team. You know, you, you feel like that somehow when God was giving out talents, you, you missed out. You weren't in line that day. You think, I, I've lost out. I don't have it. But I think most of us probably are in this third group of people. And those are the people that say, I just don't want to think about it. You know, I mean, some days are good. Some days are bad. You just kind of feel average. You don't have any grand dreams, but you also don't have any paralyzing fears that keep you from serving. You're perfectly content to kind of be middle of the road. You've got bigger fish to fry. You've got practical things to think about every day other than your talents and your gifts. But the problem with all three of these is they miss out on a critical truth about us. We fail to see the wonder of who we are made in the image of God and redeemed by Jesus Christ. And that truth is that God has made you and has saved you with a purpose in mind. He has blessed you with abilities, with aptitudes. Maybe they're unexplored. Maybe they're undeveloped. Maybe they're unused, but they're there. In our Old Testament reading in Psalm 139, we learn that God weaved us together. He knitted you. He crafted you in your mother's womb into the unique individual that you are. There never has been and there never will be another you. You truly are God's one-of-a-kind handiwork. And that's what our New Testament reading told us. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, as we think about this, I want to define some terms, and then I want to differentiate some of the things we've been learning about in this series. The first term I want to define is abilities. Abilities are gifts of God's general grace. Meaning, as Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. There are some things that God in His general grace gives to everyone. And there's not a person that's been born that God is not gifted with certain abilities and aptitudes. You know, you were born with a genetic predisposition to be naturally good at some things. We call these talents. Maybe you're just naturally musical or athletic. Maybe you've got a mind for math and you're good at numbers. That is not me. Maybe you're good at speaking or reading. You're, you're a words type person. Some of you have a built-in knack for mechanical skills and others of you have an artistic flair. And you just have always been that way. That's an ability that God has given you. But skills, skills are shaped by our life experiences. Alright, so skills are a little bit different. They're, they're not things people are necessarily born knowing how to do or born really good at. They're things that you have learned and developed through life experiences and through training. You know, maybe you're not, you don't feel like you're that musically gifted, but your parents made you take piano lessons. You know, or it's like all of us, at least in my generation, we learned to play the recorder in third grade. You remember that? Yeah, that comes in real handy in life, doesn't it? So some of us learn some skills. You know, maybe you're not really all that athletic. I know I'm not. But your friends influenced you, your parents influenced you to play a sport. And so you know how to do some of those things. You know the rules, the ins and the outs. You're just not a star player at it, right? So those are skills. And when we learn and hone skills that do match our true abilities, now that's a winning combination. 
That, that, that's where things get really fun. When we play to our strengths, when we learn skills for which we have a natural aptitude, that's when we are really successful. That's when we find real fulfillment. So, so maybe we should be taking lessons and we should be practicing mental and physical exercises and reading about and apprenticing in things that we are already good at doing. Develop those skills. Cooking, photography, woodworking, sewing, accounting, computer programming. These are all skills that are learned and developed. Now, the Bible describes all kinds of skills and natural talents. All right, so in Exodus, again, in, if you're reading with me, in our reading this past week, we read about Bezalel and Oholiab, two men whom God gifted with great artistic skill and ability. Turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 35. I don't have this on the slides. You'll have to look in your Bible. Exodus 35, beginning in verse 30. This is uh, in the middle of the giving of the law, and, and God has given Moses these blueprints for building the tabernacle and the altar and, and the Ark of the Covenant and all of this stuff, the priestly garments. He's given all these instructions, and then he gives Moses people to make that stuff. So beginning in verse 30, Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and knowledge and all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahasamach, the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. And then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who's willing to come and do the work. Now, this, these two men are the first people in the Bible that it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's significant. That tells us that the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us spiritual gifts. He gives us our abilities. He helps us develop skills. He even enables us, as those two men were able to do, to teach those skills to others. And, and I love the variety of skills and, and abilities mentioned in this passage. Embroidery and metalworking and jewelry work and woodwork and all kinds of craftsmanship. And there are others in the Bible. God gave Samson supernatural strength. God gave David the strength to defend his sheep as well as lead his people Israel, but he also gave him the abilities to play the harp and to write most of the psalms that we find in the Old Testament. Jesus redirected Peter, Andrew, James, and John's fisherman skills so that they became fishers of men. And not only was the Apostle Paul a brilliant thinker and scholar and preacher, but he was skilled at tent making as well. Now, I told you I wanted to define those two terms, abilities and skills, but let's differentiate for a minute these three parts of our shape we've learned about, right? There's a difference between our spiritual gifts, our heart passions, and our abilities. We are born with abilities, but we are born again with spiritual gifts. Abilities are given by God's general grace to everyone, but spiritual gifts are given by God's particular grace 
to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But both natural born abilities and spiritual gifts are given to us. We can't do anything to earn, deserve, or create them on our own. But skills can be learned. They can be developed, whether we're naturally good at that or not. Abilities tell us what we do. Spiritual gifts tell us what we do. But our heart passions direct us in the direction to whom and where and when we use what God has given us. God has entrusted us with abilities and skills. Amen? Amen, He has. We have many of them in this church. The second principle I want us to think about, though, is God hasn't just entrusted us with these things. God has a plan for their use. God has a plan for how we use the abilities and skills He's given us. As we heard in Ephesians 2.10, God has already prepared works for you to do in advance. He has crafted you specifically to be able to do them. And there's just a few ways we can do that I want to share with us. The first is we use our abilities and skills to glorify God. To glorify God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10.31 that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we are to do it for the glory of God. Now, you know, sometimes when we are using our skills, we're using our abilities and gifts, and if we're really good at these things, if we're that first group of people, right, and we just are good at everything, it's very easy to kind of get puffed up with ourselves, isn't it? We kind of get full of ourselves, and we forget where those abilities and skills have come from. Now, there's nothing wrong with being satisfied with a good day's work. There's nothing wrong with even being a little proud of something that has turned out well, that, that's just beautiful. But the problem is when it leads to pridefulness. When people are rewarding us and they're recognizing us and they're applauding us, it's very easy to turn that inward and to become prideful and puffed up. So we have to remember that every good gift, including our abilities, our talents, our skills, come from God. He's the one who enables us. He's the one who equips us. And if we can remember that, then we can take any praise directed at us and we can direct it back to God. And this has to be more than lip service. I'm talking about more than just taking a knee and pointing up when you make a touchdown. I'm talking about more than just a singer at an awards ceremony giving God a shout out. Those are fine and well, but I'm talking about taking the things God has given us and actively using them and employing them towards God's purposes so that He receives the glory and the praise. And we can do that whether we're studying for a test or writing a paper in school, whether we're cooking a good meal for some friends, whether we're completing a project at work, or whether we're up here singing at church, we should do all of it for God's ultimate glory. And one of the ways God is most glorified by our abilities and talents is when we, number two, use them to serve others. To serve others. You saw in the video, and we read it a couple of weeks ago, and talking about spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 4.10, says that we should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This principle doesn't just apply to spiritual gifts. It applies to everything God has given us. And when we use our gifts and talents and abilities and skills only to serve ourselves, only to benefit ourselves, then, then we become selfish. We become self-centered, inwardly focused people. And we rob God of the glory. We rob others of the benefit. And we rob ourselves of the joy. You know, I've learned as a, as a parent especially, but growing up, one of the things you learn is it really is more blessed to give than receive. And I've come to, to the point where I get more excited when I have a gift for somebody else to watch them open it 
to know that I've given something good to them. I get more joy out of that than whatever it is they might give to me. And as a parent, you get to the point where Christmas morning, you could really care less what you get. You're excited to see what your children get. You're excited to see them up, open up those presents, and you relish in the joy that they experience. So if we really want to be blessed through our work, through the skills that we've developed and the abilities that we've been given, we need to use them for the glory of God and for the good of other people. A third way that we also can use our abilities and talents is to earn a living. To earn a living. God shapes us not only for serving through the church, not only for meeting needs in the community, but God gifts us with things to enable us to earn a living, to provide for our families. You know, work, and this might be a shock to some people, work is not a dirty word. Work is not a part of the curse of sin. God created us to work. When He made the first man and woman, He put them in the Garden of Eden and told them to work it, to tend it, to name the animals, to rule the earth and subdue it. Sin has just made work toilsome and painful and wearying and sometimes unfulfilling. But work itself is a gift from God. And He desires us to enjoy our work and to use our work to glorify Him. Paul told Timothy that a worker is worthy of his wages. So work is something God intends us to do. He gifts us so that we can earn those wages. And talking about our heart passion at the Wednesday night workshop, I pointed out the difference between your vocation and your awe vocation. I said, you know, not everyone's day job is the burning passion and desire of their hearts. Some people, they work nine to five to put food on the table, right? To pay the mortgage or the rent. It's not necessarily what, you know, just that thrills them with joy. Christian author and speaker Bob Goff was a lawyer. That was his career. And he started to do charitable work. And so he was a lawyer by day, and he was doing these charities at night, and then later he became a Christian speaker and author. And he said that he always thought of his day job as fundraising efforts for his ministry. His ministry was beyond that nine to five, but he couldn't have done it without earning that salary. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe you're passionate about something beyond your job. And so you work so that you can do a deeper, better, greater work outside of work. Now, ideally, we want those to mesh. Ideally, we want to be uh, like Robert Frost said was his life's goal. Robert Frost said, my life's goal is to unite my all vocation with my vocation as my two eyes make one inside. Now, that would, that's, that's where the magic happens. But whether or not that's true for you, we should always strive to find a way to earn a living that maximizes our shape. We have to recognize that God has equipped us with knowledge, wisdom, skills, and abilities to do good work, whether we get paid for it or not. And as Paul told the Colossians in Colossians 3, whatever you do, whatever it is, work at it with all your heart. God doesn't want any of us to, to put in a, a halfway job. Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. He says, it's the Lord Christ you're serving. Even if you're bagging groceries at a grocery store, you work at that with all your heart for God's glory because you're serving the Lord Jesus. So let's go back to that fundraising analogy. God sometimes does gift us with abilities and skills to earn that living so that we can also share resources. He wants us to share resources. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-3, Paul says, 
Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty, those two things together welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. So yes, God provides for us the means to work and make a living in part so we can share financial resources with others through the church through meeting the needs that God brings across our path. But you know what? Our skills and abilities themselves are resources. It's not just the, the money we earn. It's not just the, the, the house that we have. It's not just the, the things. It's those very abilities and skills God has given us. Those are resources we can share with others. And I absolutely believe that God brings people to His church to help the body of Christ accomplish its work in specific ways. That God brings people to a church because He's got specific ministries. He's got specific other people that He wants to use. That person, that family, to help reach and meet. Now, our church is blessed. First Baptist Thompson is blessed with people who are so generous. With their resources, with their money, with their time, with their expertise, with their talents. And I think the beauty of our church's diversity is in the abilities, the skills, the resources, the gifts and the passions that God has brought together to make up this body. And that really leads to this final plan that God has for your talents and and your skills, and that is to build up the church. He wants to use you to help build up this church. In Ephesians 4.12, God puts every person in the church to equip His people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. I can't imagine our church without all the gifted musicians and artists, and people who are great at crafts, or people who are good at sewing or decorating. All the good cooks in our church. You know, I bear the marks of that in my body. You know, it's, it's, uh, we've got a lot of good cooks here. Sometimes that's a struggle. Sometimes that's almost a bad thing. Those who can build, like the men building wheelchair ramps yesterday. Those who fix things. Teachers. People who use their athletic abilities and knowledge to help us reach children and youth. Those who share their resources that make children and youth ministries possible. People who you know, share pools or boats on a lake day. Those kinds of things. People who share to, make, to meet needs both here, in Gatlinburg, in West Virginia, in Honduras. Those who use their technical know-how up there in the, in the balcony to help us to, to put these uh, slides on the screen that help everything to sound good in here, to be able to put us on the radio and on the Internet. Their skills, their talents. People who are talented with desktop publishing or accounting or have photography skills. Those who are knowledgeable in first aid and CPR and other ways to make sure that we are safe and healthy as we meet together. All of these people and so many more. I mean, I just think about... The, the, the different skills and abilities that make drive through nativity happen every year. That make VBS happen every year. Without them, our church could not reach the lost people around us and point them to Jesus. But if that's what we're going to do, if we're going to use our resources, our skills, our, our talents and abilities, if we're going to use those to point people to Jesus, you know what we have to do? We have to do it. We have to work. You know, as Moses said... God gave these men and others all these skills and abilities, but He said, uh, He said there, He said, uh, those who were willing to come and do the work. So that's the third main point that I want to make. God commands us 
to use our abilities and skills. He commands us to put them to work. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through, uh, through the end, end of that chapter, through uh, chapter, uh, verse 30. And I just want to read a little bit of this. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. A, a talent in this passage isn't talent like I've been using the word talent. It's a, it's a denomination of money. So he gives him some money, five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability to manage it and, and, and to use it wisely. And then he goes on the journey. Well, the man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Well, after a long time, the master returns, and the man who received five talents brings the other five to him and says, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. I invested it in GameStop stock, and I've gained five more. I'm just kidding. He doesn't say that there. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two did the same thing. And he says the same thing to him. But then in verse 24, the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man. Harvesting where you've not sown. Gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered good. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in Jesus' parable, these talents of money represent anything that God entrusts to us. Our spiritual gifts, our heart passions, our natural abilities, our learned skills, our personality, life experiences, our resources, opportunities, relationships, everything God entrusts to us for kingdom purposes, He intends for us to use them, to invest them, to multiply that fruit. And the parable makes it clear that when we use our God-given abilities and skills and develop those things, God will give us more. He will entrust us with more. We will find reward and fulfillment here and blessings in eternity. But if we fail to use what God has given us, if we waste our lives, we will miss out on so many of the things God has in store for us that He wants to bless us with, opportunities He wants to give us. So I want to conclude with three things that we need to do if we're going to avoid being that last man, if we want to put God's talents and abilities He's given us to work, three things we need to do. First, we need, we need to estimate. We need to estimate by asking ourselves, what am I good at? What am I good at? In Romans twelve six, Paul said, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing things well. Rick Warren writes, the abilities you have are a strong indication of what God wants to do with your life. They're clues to knowing God's will for you. God does not waste abilities because He matches our calling with our capabilities, the things He has empowered us to do. So in your pew, you have an assessment tool, just as we've had each week. 
to help you think through and estimate your abilities, your talents, your skills. And just as with spiritual gifts, just as with heart passion, I want you to pray about these. I want you to really ask God to help reveal to you His design for you and honestly assess what things are you good at doing. What skills have you developed? What knowledge and wisdom have you learned? How has God resourced you? So I hope you'll take that home. and hope you'll put that to work. The second thing we do, once we estimate and we kind of have an idea of the things that we're gifted at and skilled at, then we dedicate those things back to God. We commit back to God the abilities and skills He's given us. Romans 12.1, a few verses earlier, Paul said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And Paul says this is your true and proper worship. Now, if you remember, we talked about this two weeks ago in Spiritual Gifts. Paul is writing this in the context of how people are meant to work together as the body of Christ, to serve the Lord. And so part of offering our bodies as living sacrifices is to take our spiritual gifts and our natural talents and our learned skills and to dedicate them back to God, to put them to work for His kingdom. Are you willing to dedicate yourself and the ways God has shaped you for the kingdom. Will you this morning make a solemn vow in prayer to use the talents and the skills that God has entrusted to you to invest them for His glory, for the good of others, and for the furthering of the gospel? Hope and pray that you will. And if you do, I believe with all my heart that you will see God open doors for you, and you will experience God's presence in your life in ways you can't even imagine. We estimate, we dedicate, and finally we cultivate. We develop our abilities and we improve our skills. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, he says, I've not already obtained all of this. He says, I've not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to already have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the goal. I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, too often people fail to maximize their strengths, to employ their gifts and talents and skills because they're afraid of failure. And maybe you are guilty of kind of holding yourself back. Maybe even keeping it a secret what you can do. Almost like, you know, Clark Kent. You know, he kind of hides all those Superman abilities and powers under a pair of glasses. And we think that we've hidden so well that it's a frail disguise. Now, I know people that have a CDL license and they're like, don't, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't, I don't want to have to drive the church bus. Or maybe you're good at playing the guitar, but you don't want to let Matt know because he might ask you to come up here and play one Sunday. We all have these abilities and skills and sometimes we're, we're afraid to use them. We're afraid to fail, so we keep them quiet. We don't think we're good enough or that we're worthy enough to serve the Lord. Sometimes we're guilty of saying, you know, I just need a little bit more time. I just need to practice a little bit more. I need to be trained a little bit more. Someday, I'll be ready to serve the Lord. You know, like Paul, we're all in process. None of us have arrived. We're all straining toward, we're all pressing on toward that goal, that upward calling. So don't sit back and wait till you're good enough. Don't sit back and wait till you're perfect. 
Get out there, get your hands wet, your feet wet and your hands dirty, or your feet dirty and your hands wet, either way. Get out there and serve and work. And as you're working and serving, you're bettering yourself. You're learning more. You're growing in those skills, in those abilities. Don't ever stop cultivating the gifts that God has given you. And sometimes that means we have to stop and take a break and sharpen our axe. But then we get right back to swinging and serving the Lord. Listen, God has invested an enormous amount in you. He created you in His image. He saved you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He indwells you by His Spirit and sanctifies you and shapes you. He's given you gifts and and passions and burdens in your heart. He's given you abilities and talents and skills. He's invested a lot in you. And you know what? God expects a return on that investment. And one day God is going to ask you to give an account of what you did with what He entrusted you. Which of those three men in Jesus' parable will you be like? What will you do with the abilities and the skills that God has entrusted to you? Will you glorify God, serve others, and build up the church? Will you receive the blessings and the rewards He wants to give you now and in eternity? Will you use them to help other people come to know, love, and follow Jesus? God has gifted you with abilities and skills. He's given them to you more more than just for your enjoyment and your employment. He's given them to you to serve His kingdom to bring Him glory, and to share the gospel. The gospel of God's grace is so simple. It's that we are lost in our sin. We are weak, we are frail, but God doesn't throw anybody away. God says, I love you. God says, I will do everything within my power to see that you are saved and you belong to me. So He became a man. He died on a cross and He took your sin and mine upon Himself and He paid the price that we deserve. And all we have to do is receive that gift. All we have to do is say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've been living life on my own. I know that I've failed you time and again. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Would you erase my past? Would you give me a fresh start? And if you do that, the Bible says... God will forgive you and make you right with Him in that moment that your eternal destiny is secure in heaven and His Spirit comes to live within you. If you need to make that decision this morning, I pray you'd come as we sing in just a moment and just turn your life to Jesus. Trust yourself to Him and receive His grace. If you've been worshiping with us and and coming here, maybe, maybe God's speaking to your heart and saying, this is the church I want you to use those gifts and talents. This is where I want you to invest yourself in serving my kingdom. This is where you will cultivate the things that I've entrusted to you. We would love for you to come and speak with us about uniting with our church family. That every single one of us in this room have a decision to make today. And that decision is simple. What am I going to do with the abilities and skills God has given me? And I hope that today you will dedicate yourself to using them for God. Let's stand together. Let's pray. I know God's Spirit is prompting someone in this room, so would you please come, be obedient to Him and respond. Father, thank You for Your love for us. Thank You for the ways that You gift us and bless us. And, and oftentimes we're oblivious to them, God. We're, we're so busy, we're so distracted, we, we fail to really stop and to assess and to estimate all the unique ways that You have equipped us for Your purposes. And I do pray that we all in this room that belong to You would do that and we would dedicate ourselves back to you and we would cultivate the gifts you've put in our hearts by putting them to work.
Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray they would come today in faith and trust, turning from their sins and giving their lives to Jesus. If there's anyone here that you would have unite with our church family, they already belong to you, they just need to come and say, we want to we invest ourselves in the life of First Baptist Thompson, I pray they would do that today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.